so one of the things I've been very interested in for about a year is, um, you know, uh, the Lord has given us so much revelation on government and stuff, but one of my uh, particular interests is in the government in the heavenlies of the stars. And um, I don't know if you've heard anything about that, the star houses or the seats in the stars or the government of the stars. Um, and I'm not really going to speak about, on it, about it because... Um, I would probably just be repeating some great teachings that are already out there, um, but I will I'll keep referring it to you. So if it's something that's new and something that you've not heard of, I would really recommend Ian Clayton has got a new teaching called Mazaroth, and I would really recommend um, getting that. And there's also a couple of good books as well. Um, but I just wanted to start off just by reading Psalm 19, just to kind of set it up. And I'm going to read a lot of scripture and that's really because there's so much unanswered that I have to keep anchoring it constantly. So starting off in Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their measuring line goes out through all the earth, and the words to the ends of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber. And um, the psalm goes on um, to talk about the laws and the justice system of heaven. Um, so stars play a really key role in that. Really what I want to speak tonight is about patterns. And um, the Bible is just one long pattern. And it's, um, it's not so much a blueprint as like a, sp well, it is a blueprint, but it's like a spiral of blueprints. So you just sort of, it builds on itself. Um, and there's just so many patterns to follow. You can get uh, quite carried away with it. Um, and it's Abraham that I really wanted to start with. So Abraham grew up, well, was born and grew up in Ur of the Chaldeans. And that literally means light of the astrologers. So Abraham grew up in a culture that practiced astrology, that understood the stars and the meanings, had deep intimate knowledge of it used it to pretty evil ends. Um, Nimrod's court was uh, amongst that, and um, in other extra-biblical books, it talks about Abraham's father serving in those courts. So Abraham understood these sort of things and um, the role and function of the stars, and that's why he really knew that he wasn't to have a son because he, you know, we, we are able to predict the future. It's just that astrology is, a, is something that we are not to be involved in. It is not from the Lord because it is the Lord that predicts our destiny. And I say that from the start, that there's a big difference, obviously, between astrology and astronomy. Um, but that's the culture that Abraham grew in. And then the Lord called him, and he called him out of that. He called him out of what astrology had told him his life was going to be a life of barrenness. Um, and told him that he would be a father of multitudes. Um, and you can read that Genesis 12 onwards. Um, but I want to read from Hebrews 11. Um, so let's just read about Abraham here. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, 
living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. They all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. So this is really starting to set up a pattern, and it's a pattern of the seat of government that the Lord has called Abraham into, that he's called him out of you know, the destiny over earth and called him into the destiny of heaven. And he's planted through Abraham the pattern of what was to come through Jesus, and we know this, but obviously Isaac was miraculously conceived you know, by a miracle from God, and, he, and Abraham was asked to sacrifice Isaac. But at the point of the sacrifice, the Lord provided a ram. And even in that, you see, like, you know, Jesus was the lamb. And a ram was provided, and it was a, it's a father. So it was, Abraham is a father, and it's through him that all of this is birthed. You know, our very redemption is just birthed by this man's faithfulness to the call of God. Um, and p- yes, part of... The covenant with Abraham was to take him out of the geographical land, take him away from his actual location, and give him the promised land, Canaan. Um, But we can see in Hebrews that actually that's not really what it's all about, that even that was not what it was about. Even that is just a pattern. Even that is a foretaste, that really what he's calling us to is the new Jerusalem, is to Zion, is to heaven, is to the city of our God. And the thing that's very interesting to me is, you know, that it refers, and it says specifically in verse 10, for he, Abraham, was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. So we know what this city is because it's in Revelation. Uh, Revelation 21. Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. 
And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates and at the gates 12 angels and on the gates the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And we know that in Ephesians 2, that the foundations are the apostles and prophets. And so I want to just talk about the connections that I'm making with patterns. Um, and it's quite fun. Um, but it's also like very, very powerful, and I don't really understand it all. So bear with me on that. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a good place to start. Um, but Abraham tithed into Melchizedek before he was even called Abraham. While he was still not the father of multitudes, he tithed into Melchizedek. And the order of Melchizedek, well... Um, the order of the Melchizedek is about the apostles and prophets. And um, Ian talks about the order of Melchizedek having four faces. On earth, the apostles and prophets. And in the heaven, priests and kings. And so Christ came into the order of Melchizedek. And when we come into Christ by entering into his death and his resurrection, we also can join that order. Um, and so... If we keep following this pattern, hold on, I'm going to draw a wee bit. Okay, so we'll take a wee, back, a wee bit back. So always in government, we know there's a bench of three. So there's a trinity like that. And there's also us as a bench of three. Uh, body, soul, and spirit, um, and there's uh, many others. So you get, and this is not an, uh, an, a very, very ancient sim a symbol, but the shield of David um, gives you kind of the six points. So one of the things about the shield of David is that at its center is one, and then it has six points, and that is also the seven spirits, with the spirit of the Lord being the core from which everything proceeds. Yeah, so if we just put that in... Alpha and Omega, so we put that in eternity. Um, and we'll just kind of carry through some stuff here. Okay. So now you can see that there's the 12 tribes or the 12 gates. But as we can see from Revelation, it's like there's, you know, north, south, east, west. So you've also got like the four faces of God. So we'll just do that. I don't know if that's right, but we'll just make that into a big square. Should be square if I had proper geometrical equipment. Okay. So let's, let me just kind of talk through this a wee bit. So we've talked about bench of three. And so the seal of David or the shield of, seal of Solomon, shield of David, star of David, it really represents like heaven and earth, God and us being joined and intertwined. But also I really love that the whole kind of seven spirit symbolism of it. Um, and, and that it plays a part in this kind of divine 
geometry that he set up with the 12 tribes, with the 12 seats. And um, we obviously have the 12 signs of the zodiac. In Hebrew, that's called the Maseroth, and that's referenced in the Bible. And Maseroth means gates of the sun. And we know that in the New Jerusalem, there's 12 gates, and each of those 12 gates is a 12 tribe, and those gates are a pure single pearl. Um, and so these are the seats of government that the Lord has given. They're the points of entry into him. And in him, this is him, his four faces. In him are all things. In him is the core, the spirit of the Lord. So how do we come? We come through Christ. And Christ is always the center, always. And he's the only way in. And we can only go in through his sacrifice, right? So, hold on. So, Christ is the lamb of sacrifice in the center. And when we look at the patterns of altars through the scripture, if you think about Moses at Mount Sinai, let us go into the mountain where I've prepared an altar amidst the 12 pillars. So the altar's at the center. Elijah, before the prophets of Baal, he built an altar and had on it, and, and it laid on 12 pillars. So it's like, Within all of this, there's always an altar. In the center of government, it's always an altar. And that's the only place that we can start from. We can't enter through anything else except through Christ. And so the only way that we can enter into this center, if you think about that's the core of everything, the core, the core of the sun is like 15 billion centigrade. That is the core of eternity, life itself, the universe, everything. And we can only do it by entering in through full surrender, full death with Christ, full resurrection through him. So those of you that kind of know our journey, you know that the altar is really where the Lord has got us. And uh, we're really trying to just get the fullness. And we can understand why we need the fullness, because without fully surrendering our lives on the altar we have nothing we cannot lay hold of the promise we cannot fill the blueprint we will just be another pattern um so 12 is a pretty cool and you know there's just there's so much reference to it so the priest has 12 stones each stone represents a tribe and again that speaks of access being able to enter in on the breastplate we know that joshua laid 12 stones as a memorial of the lord rescuing his chosen people and john the baptist spoke to the stones and said from these stones i will raise abraham's children um and so it starts at the 12. And yes, it's a mystery. I don't understand it in fullness. But we cannot deny that this is a very powerful place of government. But I believe that we can only access that when we come in at the altar and are on the altar and are consumed as a sacrifice. Which is great because that's what the Bible says too. Um, so... <clears throat> uh, let's read in Hebrews 13... It says, 
Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat, for the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. And so all of this is to speak of the foundations of Zion. Um, And all those ones um, referenced in Hebrews, so Noah and Enoch and Abraham and Sarah and so many others, It says at the end of Hebrews 11, And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. And of course, the cloud of witnesses are all around us all the time, showing up all the time, and this is why. And it goes on to say, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings to us closely, and let us run with endurance to the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. And then it goes on in chapter 12 to speak of coming to Mount Zion, the city of the Lord, and that he is shaking everything, that that which cannot be shaken will remain. And that's what this is, because it's the 12 that are the foundations. It's the apostles and prophets. It's the kings and priests that are the living foundation, and Jesus is the cornerstone of that. So when we just look back at this, and if we just see the square again, so if we think of this as the four faces of God, and if we think of it as his name, yeah, so we we know as well the teaching about being in the name of God, and that it's actually a place, it's actually a seat that you can come into. And everywhere that Abraham went, he called on the name of um, of God. And um, in, in um, Hebrew... Um, the name of God is that it, written, but it's always read out as Adonai because it's so powerful that you have to speak of the God of mercy in order to bring it out. And, the, and God hides himself, you know, and he hides himself in mercy. Um, and so um, Abraham, everywhere he went, he called on the name of the Lord, of the name of Adonai, and built an altar. Everywhere he went, Genesis 12, Genesis 13, Genesis 21, um, because the Lord had promised him an inheritance. And he called on the name of God. And he called on the name of God. And it always pulls you in. Pulls you into the name of God. Pulls you into your destiny. Pulls you into everything that you are. And that's what this is. It's like coming into his name. When we call on a name, it's like we're actually entering into a place, into a position, a seat. And so all of this calls us right into him. And it's really important that we are seated in his name. And I'm just going to read out like quite a few scriptures now, just so you can understand like that his name, Adonai, 
being seated in it and how powerful it is like this is just so so powerful it's such a powerful place to be so first one jeremiah 23 as you can see i've not bookmarked any of these Verse 25. I have heard what the prophets have said who prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long shall their lies be in the heart of the prophets who prophesy lies and who prophesy the deceit of their own heart, who think to make my people forget my name by their dreams that they tell one another, even as their fathers forgot my name for Baal? Okay, and then we'll go into Exodus. And what I'm trying to do is just frame up this place as being like such a, is, as being a place, as a seat. So Exodus 9. For by now I could have put out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence and you would have been cut off from the earth. But for this purpose I have raised you up to show you my power so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. And chapter 23. The best of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. Behold, I send an angel before you to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place that I have prepared. Pay careful attention to him and obey his voice. Do not rebel against him, for he will not pardon your transgression, for my name is in him. Okay, two more, and then I'll move on. For thus says the Lord, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And that everlasting name is his name. So he will give his name. And my last one is a good one. But it's hard to find. Zephaniah. Zephaniah 3. For at that time I will change the speech of the peoples to a pure speech, that all of them may call upon the name of the Lord and serve him with one accord. So what I want, what I see in all of those verses is that calling on the name of the Lord takes us to this place it pulls us onto the altar it pulls us into his perfect plan and that we are designed to be located within his name and that his name is something that we are within all the time and that is within us and that when we keep ourselves in this place that we will be in the pattern and so for me what I found is the altar is a place of complete sacrifice and surrender, but it's also in the center of his name. And so to call on his name, we position ourselves right within destiny and perfect plan. So, Back to Hebrews, 
um, Hebrews 12. So we've come to Mount Zion, the city of our Lord. And um, things have been shaken and remained. And it says in verse 28, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. And so in it all, everything is shaken, and everything, and John the Baptist says this too, that he is a fire that comes and he will burn up all our chaff. And he is burning, and that's the thing, you know, it's, Oh, it's, an, it's a sacrifice of reverence and awe because things will die here. You will die here. You know, you will be completely burned until nothing, nothing remains except him. Only that which can be in his name will remain there. Um, and again, I'm speaking in part, so I'm just going to read scripture um, just to try and, and give you some of the clues that I've got and see what happens. So Zechariah 13, 7 and 9. And the Lord will give salvation to the tents of Judah first, that the glory of the house of David and the glory of the inhabitants of Jerusalem may not surpass that of Judah. On that day the Lord will protect the inhabitants of Jerusalem so that the feeblest among them... I'm reading the wrong one. Yeah, I'm reading the wrong one. (laughs) Sounded good, didn't it? Jeremiah 13, that was 12. Um, Jeremiah 13. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the man who stands next to me, declares the Lord of hosts. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. I will turn my hand against the little ones. In the whole land, declares the Lord, two-thirds shall be cut off and perish, and one-third shall be left alive. And I will put this third into the fire and refine them as one refined silver and test them as gold is tested. They will call upon my name and I will answer them. I will say they are my people and they will say the Lord is my God and I believe that that is a pattern of the altar a pattern of what the Lord is doing here with us And in Malachi 4, the great day of the Lord. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evil doers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked, for there will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. And that's when the spirit of Elijah is released. So in the 12 tribes, obviously we also have the Levites. And um, the Levites had no inheritance of land because their inheritance was found in the name And so if the Levites required no land or no resources because everything they had was found in the name, how much more so, if that was the Levitical priesthood, how much more so in the order of Melchizedek, in a royal priesthood? 
Um, I don't know. Because if they had everything in that, <laughs> how much more? Um, so I think where we are is that we all have to make a personal journey to that altar. And the thing is, is that we have before. You know, we have, we have at conversion, we have at born again, we have been on that altar. But it's like a building that he is doing in us where we are always coming back to the altar and there is always more and he is revealing more and he is, he's giving more. But we know that there is a fullness that is ahead. And we, like Abraham and everyone, we see forwards. And, you know, Jesus said, Come and follow me, just as God said to Abraham, come out of the land you know, come into the unknown, and I have promised you your inheritance. And it's the same for us, that he's called us out of what we know, and he's asked us to follow him. And the disciples didn't know. The disciples didn't know what their glory would be. They didn't know the persecutions, the sufferings, and the struggles. And neither did we, and neither do we. But yet we follow into the unknown. <laughs> and we all have to find our own journey, and that's something, like, that's a theme for us here, that is our own personal journey onto that altar. But corporately, the Lord is moving us. He's moving us out of, I mean, we, the Feast of Pentecost is done. It is time for tabernacles. He is moving into, into that. But we can only come to that when we have been through the fire. Because the glory can only come after the seraphim have burnt everything. It's only when the seraphim have burnt everything that the cherubim can come and his glory can remain. So we have to submit ourselves to the fire. And I can testify that it is very painful, but also that it is glorious. And it's a process that we are in. We, it's not over, that we are in. Um, and maybe it will be a, another circular pattern that goes round and round um, but it's so close it feels so close so Father we just call on your name Adonai Adonai, Adonai oh, oh Yeshua there is so much we don't understand, but we know that everything is in you, Lord. And I thank you. I thank you that through Jesus we can always come, that we can just come straight in at the center. And Father, I just pray that you would make us all willing to be willing that we don't even know what we were being willing about, but we want to be willing, we want to be found ready, um, we want to burn. We want to be ready to pay the cost even when we don't know the cost. And through it all, Lord, I just thank you that your love is always there that your love is an anchor and we cling to it and that as we walk through the fire of your altar 
you're purifying and refining us and that your love comforts us through that, strengthens us. And we set our eyes forward to this city that you have prepared. The city that is us, perfect us, fullness. And I thank you that all of us are a part of that city, every single one. So Lord, just give us wisdom in the next weeks. Um, Keep us in your name, Lord. We do, we call to your name, we cry to it, Father. And just guide our steps and keep our eyes set forwards. And I say